Hey, real quick, I just wanted to let you know that Gabba Gabba Hunt is now a record store. Well, not really a store, but a booth at an antique store located in Eastridge Mall in Gastonia, North Carolina. Vintage Village is three stores down from Dillard's on the left. And my booth is on the left side of Vintage Village. It's the one with all the records. You can't miss it. I've got over a thousand records, toys, t-shirts, DVDs, VHS, all kinds of stuff there. So come check it out. Gabba Gabba Hunt Records and Vintage Goods located in Vintage Village at Eastridge Mall, Gastonia, North Carolina. You are now listening to the Gabba Gabba Hunt Talks Podcast, where we bring you conversations with people connected to the Carolina's underground music scene. Your host, Mike Phillips of Van Huskins. So yeah, but if this is kind of working, I guess see what my lag is on your end. I guess I'll let you talk and then I'll respond. Okay, that that's I just got finished hearing you. <laughs> so oh okay. So uh, I don't know. It doesn't seem to be lagging too much on for you. Yeah, yeah. I, I think me and so, you. Are I think pretty, we're good. I think we're pretty good, and I think Scott will we'll figure that out in a minute. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it seems to be good. I mean, we'll just kind of roll with this, uh, and do, do our best. Yeah. And so Um, I'll, I'll go ahead and get started, um, with my little introduction. And so this week I'm talking to, well, I'm talking to, are you, do you go by Joshua or Josh? Josh. Josh. So I'm talking to Josh and Scott from late bloomer and, um, I'll let you both kind of tell who you are. I mean, I just mentioned your names, but so everybody can put a, a name with the voice, who you are, what you do in the band. And I don't normally do this, but being in Charlotte, you know, we don't, a lot of people aren't from Charlotte. I never really ask up front, like where you're from, but go ahead and tell you where you're from, even if it's from Charlotte. Um, I am, well, I've been in Charlotte so long. I might as well just say that at this point. Uh, I'm originally from Wilmington, North Carolina, and I've lived in North Carolina my whole life, moved to Charlotte in 2006. So at this point, I guess that's long enough to just probably start answering it. Yeah. <laughs> Shorter and say Charlotte. So that's the answer. And what do you do in the band? Uh, I play bass and uh, sing sometimes. Okay. And Scott? Uh, I've lived in Charlotte since 2002. Um, I grew up in Atlanta. Uh, that's where I was in bands and stuff in high school. And I played drums and play bloomer. Okay, cool. I also play in some other band, but this is about late bloomer. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll talk about that too. Uh, we, we sort of talk about all that stuff along the way. Uh, when I've got two people on, we do it a little quicker than than if it's just one one on one. So, um, but we do talk about where all the things you've done along the way. Um, but the way I always like to start my podcast, and this is something I sort of inadvertently stole stole from Mike Watt that he does on his show, um, is I like to kind of get a, an early early musical memory from you, something that just kind of stuck with you from when you were a little kid that you remember about music mm, i'll let you go first scott i'm trying to think of it um i mean i don't know the first thing i ever did is i wanted a, I wanted to get a guitar like they had on kids incorporated oh yeah <laughs> yeah um that's what i really really wanted and instead i got a tiny little sk1 which is like i don't even maybe a full octave you can't even you can't do jack shit with it yeah yeah um <laughs> And so it wasn't very fun. And then I asked them for drums, and then they wouldn't uh, get them for me because, like, well, you never do anything with the keyboard. I was like, it sucks. <laughs> and eventually, after like three years, I broke them down and getting drums. But um, um, I don't know. Like when I was in 
elementary school, like, you know, like I was into records and stuff, but it wasn't really until I moved to Atlanta when I met other people that were in bands and realized, oh, shit, you could be in a band. Yeah. Uh, that, that, you know, I thought, no, I can actually do something. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> well, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, but how about you, Josh? What was what's did you come up with the early musical me- memory? I was trying. I, so I had this babysitter, um, and when my parents were both working, and I, I believe it was California Raisins was like one of my first uh, musical memories. Mm-hmm. But I guess like I feel like kind of reaching for something. Like have kind of having a choice in the matter because it just felt like at that age, uh, California Raisins was like everywhere on TV. So oh, yeah. I'm not sure if that was like mine. Um, but but there was this there was this Christian artist named uh, Carmen, mm-hmm. and I feel like that was one of the first things I I feel like I remember reaching for and being like, "This is mine. I like this." You know? yeah, so yeah. so I guess Carmen is the the honest answer on that. <laughs> So when when did you pick up an instrument? When did you get it, and interested in playing an instrument? I guess I should add. Um, I actually didn't play an instrument until much later in life. Um, I had already been in a couple bands before I really started playing in earnest. Uh, I I was like just a singer in in my first couple band, first two or yeah, my first two bands. Mm-hmm. And actually, even even in my first like three bands, I was just a singer. But by the time I was in my third band, I kind of started like playing bass a little bit. And uh, Chris Beagler gave me a bass lesson, and he was like, "I don't." Chris, Chris, and, uh, okay, go ahead, go keep going, keep yeah. going, go go ahead, go ahead, it's going now. <laughs> but he he was okay. So he was uh, he had a lot of experience in playing and like playing keys and piano and mm-hmm. like previous bands. And so I, I didn't really know that at the time. So I was like, oh, that's all I need is that one one thing. So so it didn't really uh, help me so much. I think the thing that helped me the most, not that his lesson wasn't helpful, was really just like throwing myself into a band being the bass player. Mm-hmm. And then just like, oh, like on the job training, just like you better figure it out. And so by the time of my fourth band, I guess, like I was playing bass and singing a little bit. And mm-hmm. then here we are. Yeah. All these years later, I play bass still. So you mentioned that you sang in a few bands. What what were the bands that you said? Were those all Charlotte-based bands? Uh, the first band I sang in was in Wilmington. Um, and singing is really giving it too much credit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I understand. It was, uh, it was like a... It, well, really, it was a metalcore band. I don't think we liked the term metalcore, but it was mm-hmm. very firmly metalcore. Uh, and uh, it was a band called Oblivion's Rise. Okay. Uh, it was my first band. And um, we, I think we probably sounded like Pantera. I, I'm, I, we, that's what we probably thought we did, but yeah. I don't believe that we did. Um, and then I sang in a band called Obstruction, which was just like fast punk stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I sang in a band called Meth Mountain.
from there, I was a bass player in a band called Pullman Strike. And then really from there, it was Late Bloomer. And then from there, I've started another band called All Right. But I've just, we've somehow, we've been in Late Bloomer for more than 10 years, which is way longer than any band I've ever been in. 12 years now. Yeah, it's well, more than 10 would be 12. Uh, so, so yeah, that's that's I think I'm, we're at that point of being a band where I'm just going to keep saying more than 10 years until we hit like 20. Yeah. Uh, so it's just, easier to uh, keep track yeah. of a, a little bit that way. So, yeah. <laughs> so you said that the band was Pullman Strike was the name of the band that you played the first band you played bass in. Yeah, uh, it was like an alt country band. Uh, we were firmly in college, and we were exploring a lot of different music. And uh, legend is in the Civil War. It was, I mean, it was very helpful in the songwriting process, and I, I love a lot of that type of music. Uh, I think the kind of scene of it and playing and like kind of bar thing, playing longer sets and stuff like that was like not what my punk brain wanted at that point. Yeah. But I think it super like set the stage well to like growing as a musician. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, and so, yeah, it was a great time. And Neil was in that as well. Okay. That yeah. also plays in late. Yeah, I was going to say we should mention Neil as well. I, I planned to mention him at some point when we got around to talking about Late Bloomer, but... Yeah. So there we go. <laughs> um, there we go. And Scott, you mentioned a little while ago about the keyboard and, and then the drums. And I understand about the keyboard. I, I kind of had one a very similar little keyboard that just sucked, and so I couldn't learn anything on it. Um, but then what, what age were you when you got the drums? I was 14 when I uh, finally broke them down, got drums. And the way it happened was uh, for Christmas, my parents you know, they gave out all the gifts. And all I got was like some pajamas and some socks and some, you know, candy and cologne and shit. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, we were set to go visit my grandparents for two weeks during Christmas holidays. And so we packed the car and they're all like, oh, what's wrong with you? I was like, well, I didn't get the shit I wanted. And they're like, oh, we'll go look in the basement. Yeah. And then so they showed me my drums in the basement and. Was, they said, oh, we're leaving in 15 minutes. <laughs> so I got to play them for 15 minutes before I left town for two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of sucks, though, to have to have to give you that little bit of a heartbreak before they, like, give them to you. But I guess I guess. Well, I <laughs> that's my dad. <laughs> that does sound I, like I mean, your dad. I, that, that's, <clears throat> I, that's the kind of thing that happens, though. I mean, a lot of people have that story. Uh, so you got your drums at 14. When was it before you played in, in a band? Uh, probably like six months later because yep. it was like in middle school and it was like oh well, you have drums oh i have a guitar let's start a band and so me and these other kids started a band and uh we were called a uh, mobocracy and we uh we had a couple originals and we played some misfits covers okay and uh i don't think we ever played an actual show we were just like rival band with this other band in uh my middle school and they were called ehf extremely high frequency and uh eventually myself and the bass player from mobocracy 
combined with the two guys from another band. Then we made my band, my next band that actually did play shows and did stuff. What was the name of that band? Uh, That band was called Such As, which is not a very good name. Um, But uh, we we put out a demo. We played a bunch of. I mean, we probably played like fifty, sixty shows. Uh, At one point, Steve Munzel of Family Fest Records and Mm -hmm. Contagious Graphics was going to put out our seven inch. But then it was like right when we were breaking up, so we talked him out of it because we didn't want to waste his <laughs> money. Which, in hindsight, should just totally let him waste his money. And so, <laughs> and so but, you- uh, we, we only knew him from just like correspondence, just writing back and forth. And like through him, we had booked shows like Buzz Oven, who actually stayed at my house when I was in high school, which is oh wow. <laughs> crazy to think of these days yeah yeah really uh, i i wouldn't let butter seven in my house now <laughs> i'm i only assume they were scared of my dad yeah <laughs> it's how nothing bad happened that that band was in in atlanta you said i was gonna ask that yeah. because you you said steve Mansell. i didn't know how you knew him but you said through correspondence um so anyway you kind of answered that question <laughs> so how, how long did that band go on for <laughs> that band um, that band lasted a couple years. Okay. Um, and then the guitarist decided he just wanted to do something else. And, and then I just, I, I had another band with my brother, but then that kind of fizzled out. He's started a band, went off the Navy. And then I met this, my friend Irv, and we started the band Scout. grade or something okay and i ended up playing with him through different bands for like 10 years or something um and we actually put out like a lp and seven inch and stuff like that in that band scout yeah did you do all that while you were still in high school or, or was that like afterwards uh it was high school in the first couple years of college okay cool me and my friend matt have talked about this like we started our first punk band and high school but we had no idea how to put out a record or anything and we wish wish we didn't know them i mean we had the tools that were there we just didn't have the initiative or something i guess <laughs> yeah I, I think because we knew people like steve and then my brother was kind of like a i don't know go-getter he had actually corresponded with the people from simple machines mm-hmm. and byo and like you know he would write bands and like book them come to town and he figured all that stuff out and he actually started lunchbox records the label in high school um like i had a graphics arts class in high school where they taught you how to print stuff and you know we actually printed covers for the first seven inch we put out in my high school class okay cool um but you know and and somewhere i still have like you know one of the actual money orders i sent to united to get a seven inch pressed in Mm -hmm. 1990 or whatever oh wow yeah crazy how cheap it was (laughs) (laughs) Compared to now? Oh, yeah, I, I bet. 
Of course, back then we all made probably like three dollars and twenty five cents an hour too. So yeah, exactly. I was making three twenty five at Baskin Robbins, but so so that three hundred dollar for that five hundred seven inches or whatever seemed like a lot of money. But now it's like, man, that's nothing. Yeah, that was nothing. <laughs> so, uh, how many bands were you in while you still lived in Atlanta? When did you move to Charlotte? About what age were you when you moved to Charlotte? Uh, I went to college in Clemson, so I was in some bands there. Okay. None of them really did anything. And then I moved here in 2002, and the first band I was in here was Horse Thief. Okay. With uh, with Gus. Gus Angstrom, Angstrom yeah. Mike, Mike Earl and Tim Killo. Yeah. Um, and I didn't really know any of those people. They were just people that came in to my work, and they're like, hey, we play music. I was like, yeah, okay, y'all seem like y'all have decent taste. Like, shit, I'll do anything. And um, at the time, you were working at, at Manifest, is that correct? Yeah, I was working at Manifest, and I did. I, when I moved here, I knew one person, and that person was my roommate. And that's that's why you moved to Charlotte was because of the roommate, the person you knew. No, absolutely no, no. not. Not no. <laughs> okay. I, just, I moved for the job. Okay, I moved for the job. Uh, no, that was just a coincidence. Um, yeah. So so when I first started going to shows here, I, I was. Oh, I didn't sorry, know anyone. Scott. For a second. Are we still freezing up? Uh, you were yeah, a second ago. Yeah, I don't know if. What, what? Uh, do you want? Do you want to? Uh, I mean, if I guess, do you want to put a pen in it real quick, and we can switch over to my Zoom? We, we can certainly do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry about that. I know. Um, I mean, I know that I mean you have to splice it together now, but yeah, no, I've got, I've got to work with it anyway. Longer. And if it, if it fixes it kind of going forward, then that might make it easier anyway. Okay. Uh, well, uh, I guess Scott, remember where you were, and we'll just pick it up. Okay. Yeah, I, it might be easier. <laughs> yeah, this might, this uh, might I pay work for better. Zoom, so yeah. I want to get the Zoom link. Yeah. Okay. I'll send that. Uh, I guess I'll end the call and I'll send that right away. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, I guess if it keeps lagging again, then uh, sorry, I got us to move over. Pay for it. Why not? Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I have a question. <laughs> Hello. Oh, Hello. <laughs> Sorry, uh, my, my cats could make an appearance at any point now. They they they've been playing, but my, my cat loves to sit in my lap when I'm trying to do stuff on the computer. All right, I guess Scott, pick it up where you were, if you remember. Uh, when I first moved here and I started going to shows, uh, it was confusing to me because I had never uh, experienced metalcore before, mm-hmm. um, and that was like the only thing that was really going on here at the time in the. Early 2000s. Yeah. And yeah. So I was like, uh, I don't know about this place. And then, you know, occasionally I would just go to buy myself some shows like Fat City and stuff. I, I didn't really know a lot of people here. And I was still like my fiance and uh, soon to be wife, later to be ex wife, yeah. was still living in Greenville. So every time I had a day off, I just drove back to Greenville anyway. So yeah. it was hard for me to figure things out here. So that was a time when my daughter was born in like 2001 so that or at that time i was not going out to a lot of shows so i kind of missed the metalcore being real big around here i guess maybe i was kind of lucky yeah <laughs> but, i guess, well i guess it depends i mean for my age group it was kind of everything um you know i i feel like i look back on it a little pretty fondly but it's not really where i go taste wise now yeah, so yeah. so yeah but I, it was definitely like it felt like you, even in Wilmington, which I think was kind of the same relatively scene-wise, it felt like 
it kind of felt like nothing existed outside of metalcore and i think that was just like an age group kind of thing but it just kind of felt like it ate up everything during that time frame i guess if you liked like aggressive music like mm. um you know so it was definitely everything and i still feel like there's remnants of it in charlotte where like with running sound at when I ran sound at Milestone, mm-hmm. those would always still be like some of the bigger shows that would come through. Like all of these years later, it's still like such a thing that like uh, metal related things, specifically metalcore, and it feels like it's not. It's not even the same thing. I feel like metalcore was when I was a kid. It's like when yeah, someone tells yeah. you like pop punk, you know, and you're like, "What do you mean?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and so like it's like that, but it's just mutated in so many ways, and it's it's definitely has a big hold on Charlotte as a whole. It does, and I've noticed that even like there's there's a venue over in Gastonia now called the Rooster, and that's those are the shows that sell out, or the, the metal the metal shows. Yeah, <laughs> it's just still yeah. it's always been big here, and it probably always will be. Yeah. I don't know how many waves of it's like emos on like its fifth wave or something, but mm. metalcore somehow seems like it's on its like twenty seventh, <laughs> even though it's like been around not as long. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it just kind of always seems to mutate uh, in some way. Uh, so, so I don't even know the touchstones. I know with like Scott's kid, uh, he likes like gent and stuff like that, but I don't mm. even think like kids He's around the pop- gent stuff like uh, Enterprise Earth, which. Apparently, all his little buddies love, and uh, what's the other one? Um, uh, oh, God. I had to buy him a shirt, but I, it had to be so illegible that he could wear it to school. Yeah. Uh, infant Annihilator. <laughs> okay. So he's, he's in sixth grade. I'm like, okay, I got to buy. He's like, I really want an Infant Annihilator shirt. I'm like, uh, <laughs> okay. So. Like anytime we ask for stuff like that, I gotta find one that's like, what's the most illegible version of the shirt? I so you, you can should wear yeah. to school. Yeah, yeah. You should get him a Sanguasugabog shirt. Uh, well, I think he's I think he's over the the, the Oh he's kinda okay. Yeah. Oh, too bad. All right, Mike, I, I know. He's into Daria core now. I know, Mike, you didn't expect us to talk about uh, metalcore-related things so much. Hey, so, it doesn't yeah. matter. I, I, I love little tangents like that, especially when it's like, I'm, I don't really know what any of this stuff is, but I'll, I'll listen to you. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we were talking about, Scott, you playing in the band with Gus and, and Mike Earl. and uh, Horse Thief. And we were together for a few years, I guess. And then it just kind of fizzled out. Mm-hmm. slowly slowly imploded and then i didn't really do anything after all after that i would just ask people to play but a lot of times they'll just be like oh well, you can't go on tour uh, i don't want to play with you mm-hmm. uh and then i knew josh just from the obstruction i actually put out their seven inch and uh i knew about pullman strike and other stuff when they broke up and uh i don't re- really even remember how it came up about us playing together but mm-hmm. i was like yeah cool you know like i knew he could, he could sing from meth mountain uh his band after obstruction and i knew neil and i was just like yeah sure i'll try anything this is right when i was going through a divorce too so like yeah anything to keep my mind off of other shit oh yeah 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 so, i actually yeah i think you actually put a lot of it in motion um is i remember I worked at a vet clinic and Scott's ex used to come in there with their cat. And every time she would come in, she'd be like, Hey, you should play with Scott. 
You know, he needs to have people to play. So mm-hmm. in a way, I guess we got to thank Scott's ex for getting us <laughs> together as a band. Um, you know, yeah, Oreo. Yeah. Or, uh, Scott's cat Oreo really is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The, thank you, Oreo. Yeah. I think it really has to be because I think that was just that time frame mm-hmm. and I would kind of see the cat a lot. So, yeah. <laughs> so thank you, Oreo. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, my cat had my cat had cancer, so we had to go to the vet a lot. Yeah, yeah, for a couple of years. But we also we couldn't do anything else because of that cat. Like we couldn't go out of town or anything because we had to like hand feed the cat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the entire time and inject it with fluids like every other day. So yeah, couldn't do anything. Yeah, yeah. I I think with like starting late bloomer, it was like. Pullman Strike was fun, and I really like like that type of music. But I was like, I want to play more aggressive still. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it was like there were parts of uh, Pullman Strike that weren't like scratching the itch. Like I I would get them to play sort of punkish shows, but it was like it was not you know punk kids didn't want to listen to like a six piece alt country band. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and understandably. And so I was like, what's, you know, kind of like bridging the gap. Just like I had these other songs mm-hmm. that I was kind of working on that felt like more in the vein of stuff that collectively all us listen to. And I feel like we've changed our sound some in those like 10 yeah. plus years, but there were a lot of things we agreed on. And when we on. started Pullman Stark was still an active band. So Neil and Josh were in both bands for, couple years okay yeah yeah and then they kicked me out yeah uh but neil was still in the band <laughs> they, they it's always because uh, i still hang out with all of them it's sort of like uh i don't think we kicked you out but i was like no i got kicked out and they're like i don't think you're right i was like no i remember um but you know uh but i see those guys like all like once a week so yeah. uh it's not i should just get really mad at neil now for them kicking <laughs> me out of a pullman strike but but i think it's like it would have because i remember there was a point where we were practicing at lunchbox and mm-hmm. we would practice pullman strike and then we would get done practice with pullman strike and we would load up all of our stuff and drive over lunchbox yeah and do a late blooper practice like really early on and i think i think we were also splitting it when um Weren't you in another band at that same time for like a minute? Uh, weren't you in? Um, oh, I might still been in Planet Piss. Planet Piss. Oh, I yeah, think you yeah. were still. In, I mean, I think <laughs> I remember me. Oh yeah, I skipped over the whole Planet Piss thing. <laughs> I was yeah. in Planet Piss for like a year or two. Yeah. I don't know. That was yeah. that was all blur. Yeah, yeah. It was around that time. Planet Piss. But uh, the singer, he really loved Gigi, and he would cut himself on stage. <laughs> All that kind of stuff. Uh, I've heard stories, but I, I missed out on that as well. Uh, yeah. It was something. Yeah. That's <laughs> a fun band. Yeah. I, uh, I was just like, I joined that band because I was like, man, this band is kind of a mess, but in all the best ways. It's like the germ. <laughs> like, I just want to be in the middle of this chaos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, and we it did attempt to make a recording where we recorded every song we knew mm-hmm. at the milestone. And then somehow or another, the recording got lost. Oh. <laughs> and it was like 25 fucking songs. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, the singer got into some bad stuff. And who knows? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but that era of Planet Piss was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, even though I liked the other uh, incarnations of Planet Piss, 
uh, Lex was a really good drummer, but I think like Scott had like the fundamentals to like hold the chaos together. Yeah, you know, yeah. like it's like so it was it was a really neat era of that band. Like I I like that band a lot actually. That was the goal with that band was to be like, hey, if the if the drums are tight, everyone else can like fucking go crazy and it sound okay. <laughs> I like the germs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Even the band that they had after that, Sister Fister, I was like, man, if y'all just had a better drummer, this would be like genius. <laughs> you didn't want to play yeah. in that band, though. No, I at that point I was like, no, I, I can't. I was like, I can't put myself back in there. Yeah, because I, I was like, if y'all had a better drummer, be great. But if I if I go in that band, I'm gonna fuck it up. Yeah, because <laughs> it was yeah. like it, it yeah. was it was so much where like it was people from. Planet Piss, but they all changed instruments, so like none of them could really play for shit. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of what made it good. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to go in there and be like, no, you gotta do it like this, look at it like this, because I know that's what it would have done. So I was like, no, I, just, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, I don't want. Well, yeah, I, I think in there. I think that band had kind of its version of you. Uh, Sister Fister did. Um, like Jonathan Hughes played bass in that band. I feel like that was the, it. Was like that was the person that kind of like held it together. Mm-hmm. a little bit more and sister fister and then it kind of let steven do whatever you know like ian, a, ian played drums in that band ian but that played, yeah first started playing he couldn't he, he he wasn't very good at first yeah yeah but i mean it's like everything it needed to do it was it was it was exactly what it needed to be um so so yeah, yeah. i understand and you mentioned a minute ago practicing at lunchbox we kind of no, didn't talk about Scott opening up the record store. So we talked about earlier how he worked at Manifest. Uh, what what year did you open Lunchbox, Scott? Two thousand five, the end of two thousand five. I had worked for the guy that originally owned Manifest for six seven years. Yeah, and then he sold it to these other people. And you know, beginning they tell you everything you want to hear. Like hey, we're gonna we're gonna mm-hmm. do this. We're gonna keep the same. We're gonna keep the same DNA. You know the corporate line takeover line. We we just want your DNA, but we can make it better with our our yeah, resources. Yeah, yeah. And they're full of shit. Mm-hmm. And eventually, everyone that stayed started peeling off. And uh, like my district manager, he was like the one guy that was supposed to be holding it all together. And he he left and he started his own store in Columbia. And then so I started plotting my exit, and uh, then eventually they fired me. Mm-hmm. Fired me and my assistant manager like on the same day, but I think they found out I was plotting to leave anyway. Yeah. So and then my my ex wife, my wife at the time, she was like, "Well, you should you should do it. You should start your own store." And I'm just like, "I don't know. You know what you're getting into because if, if I do this, like you know, I, I, you're never gonna see me again." <laughs> uh, but you know, I I, I did it and uh, it was really hard at first, and I didn't have anything. And, yeah. Yeah didn't have any money like she gave me some money um from our uh our uh obama bucks as we called them hmm. or when you used to buy a house and they give you like eight thousand dollar credit oh yeah yeah well we had never spent that credit and so we it went towards the store yeah and that was that and my severance pay from manifest was was my seed money yeah and just like you said it was hard at first, but it's it's worked out pretty well for you ultimately. Yeah, for the for the most part. <laughs> I'm wondering how far like eight thousand dollars like gets you. You know, I guess we don't have to get into the math, but uh, I assume that you not know that probably <laughs> not yeah. that far. But, but you know, I guess it's better than nothing. 
it, the the plan was like you know if if I try this for a year, you know what, it doesn't work, then yeah, I just go get another job. Yeah, and if I make, if I make it five years, that's success. Yeah, <laughs> and that was my plan, and I had you know I made a business plan, and it was really uh, very 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 modest goals. You know, I I had one employee at the beginning, but realized quickly that I couldn't really afford to pay her anymore. Mm. So then after that, I was the only person that worked there seven days a week for like the next two or three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I had very low expectations, which is what I think helped it work. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad you did. It's a great store. And uh, the only thing, I guess it kind of holds you back from going on tour sometimes. Cause uh, you've already mentioned that at one point. Yeah. Holding back from tour vacations, you know, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, getting, getting better, you know, yeah. Now I get kid too. So that also holds you back. From oh yeah. Tour. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. No. I, I don't think he wants to go on tour with me. Although he might not care as long as he can play video games every day. <laughs> that's that's probably true. Yeah. So I guess let's talk about Late Bloomer. Um, however you want to talk about that, if you want to talk about anything, any highlights of the career, or if you just basically want to talk about what you're doing these days, it really doesn't matter. Uh, it's sort of up to you what, what, what you want to talk about. I think like what Scott said about low expectations, I think at that point I had kind of told myself, uh, I, I was like at an age where I was like about to get married and I was like, well, when you get married, you don't play in bands anymore mm-hmm. <laughs> or like in the level that I, you know, I, I was like, oh, I'm probably not going to like tour anymore or blah, blah, blah. Like really put out like records. And then we just like kept doing it and we mm-hmm. just kept like put, we put out like an LP probably too early. Yeah. And then, uh, then we put like out another LP like a year later and then, uh, I don't know. It just like kept kind of rolling, and I don't think I really had much expectation. I kind of, in a way, I almost like wish that I still had that kind of like everything is up kind of thing. And, and mm-hmm. it sounds negative, but it's like you kind of start seeing milestones, and then I think you don't really like appreciate the stuff as much. Like every little thing we had, like it was like, oh, we got a review from a site from Bulgaria or mm-hmm. something. Like when like the demo hit, and you're like, that that rocks. And, you know, it's like then as you go on, you kind of just like as you hit more milestones and things that you never even expected to do, I think like a thing going into this record, uh, I really, and I, I don't know how well I've done in this process. Maybe my bandmates could tell me. Um, but but I wanted to like kind of get back to square one, hopefully, and, mm-hmm. and try and like appreciate things on like a more local or regional level and... um I don't know, like be fine with like being where we are, but also it's like realizing like we've accomplished kind of everything we ever set out to do as a band, Mm -hmm. Um, a band that I didn't think we were going to do more than like put out a little demo tape and now we're on LP four. So I'm trying to be like really appreciative of the time that I've had with my bandmates uh, over this journey. So. Yeah. Hey.
pretty quickly or did it take a little while to build that up and and is it better in charlotte or is it better on the road at this point it's hard to say because we haven't like toured much since covid but mm-hmm. i always felt like when we went outside of charlotte the reception was better mm-hmm. you know like it, it's like it felt like the more north we went the better we did like it was like you know we've had times in like boston and rhode island where we played like full rooms mm-hmm. you know and that's not that's like not always the case in Charlotte. Um, and you know, but, but I, I, you know, but it's, that's not to say like we haven't had those opportunities in Charlotte. I think Mm -hmm. it's, it's like when you go on tour, you're there like one day. And so if you're lucky, you know, somebody's like trying to put an event together for you. So I feel like we've been pretty fortunate on tour. And I think it's, it's hard to kind of like compare it when a lot of times we might play like a tuesday and yeah, yeah you know Plus, so it's it's kind of hard to say charlotte you know they're like i've seen them before i can see them again so sometimes it's hard yeah. to, to get that big crowd out for something like yeah, that yeah i mean it's like that with a lot of local bands like you know mm-hmm. if anna seen plays here you know they might play to 40 people but then they'll go somewhere else and play to oh yeah 500 yeah you know and yeah there's lots of and usually the bands that play here that play sold out shows here then they go out of town and there's like 15 people there. Yeah. <laughs> that is, that is the inverse. I think we've been, we've been really so, lucky. So it is weird. <laughs> I feel like we've been really lucky press and stuff like that. We've gotten on really cool shows mm-hmm. and like, and all that stuff. But we're just like, I think, I think one of the things I remember is we were very lucky to play with, uh, descendants in 2017. And yeah. then it was like two weeks later, we played like just like a small show at the station. Mm-hmm. Like it was like, but that's just like how being in a band is. Like if you're given those opportunities, like you know, the next two weeks away, you're gonna play to like five people or something. You mm-hmm. know, like it's just that's kind of like the ups and downs. So I never really like had big expectations. And I think like a thing Scott was saying about like I've seen that a lot. Like bands that just like sell out like a huge venue they go play like philly and they're like no one came Mm -hmm. you know so so it's kind of like uh numbers wise i feel like it's like it's we have a good average overall (laughs) it's just you know like uh so we've been fortunate and like we have like you know people some people that will message us and be like can i buy your record in this other country and it's like wow that's crazy Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) like you know it's it's one guy or something but but you know like it's i never expected like to have 
uh, you know, somebody that wanted our record in Japan or something. Yeah. You know, like that's a wild feeling to have. Uh, yeah. So, so it's been a crazy journey. And I think too, with like Charlotte, it's like, it's not like we're doing anything like crazy musically. I, I just don't think like the lane that we occupy has ever been like a super popular thing mm-hmm. in Charlotte. Like specifically, um, you know, it's not, once again, it's not like those bands haven't come through, but I just think that kind of like we fit to kind of in between different scenes. Like we're always, we're definitely like not punk enough yeah, for yeah. punk. A little, little, bit, of, little like, bit of punk, a little bit of indie rock. Uh, yeah. yeah. And I don't think, there always seems to be a thing in Charlotte, which is a really cool thing about it, that uh, there's a lot of bands that are like, it's like this, but it's also this Mm -hmm. and it's like i feel like we're kind of like exactly what we're packaged as you know kind of like it's like well we're really into replacements or who's who do or something and i don't Mm -hmm. even think that's exclusively what what we do but that's an easy thing to say but there always seems to be like if it's not exactly punk all those kind of bands that are like some like art experiment kind of thing it's Mm -hmm. always been thing that artistic we're just playing songs yeah loudly yeah so so yeah <laughs> so yeah cool well talk about the the new record i know you've got well just today you released the the fourth single off of it so there's already four songs you can hear when's the record coming out um where'd you record it what what else, anything you want to talk about about the record 17 more singles to come out and then the record <laughs> yeah yeah um so i even the comment about the single thing i think it's I never really wanted to do like this many singles, but we, mm-hmm. in the world that we live in with like Spotify stuff, it's like if you're kind of not feeding the algorithm yep. on a regular basis, and we don't, we're not very good at that. So I was like, what if we try to be good at it for once? <laughs> uh, so, so it seems uh, the algorithm likes when you drop more songs on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but yeah, the record comes out March 1st, uh, the whole thing, no mm-hmm. more singles after this. Uh, and we have like a music video when the album drops and then we're playing some shows and then uh, we're playing some shows out of town. Uh, Scott's coming. Uh, we're making him come on tour with us. Sweet. Uh, <laughs> and then we're going to try and play some more shows throughout the year, like uh, probably some shorter tours and things. It's our career. Things have changed. Not really so much for me, but uh, theoretically, mm-hmm. when I get back to work on a more regular basis, uh I will be probably stuck in an office or stuck on a Zoom call. Um, but, yeah. yeah, wherever we can. I mean, we're trying to play out of town more, mm-hmm. you know. And where did you record it at? Uh, actually, I think it's an interesting thing. Uh, we recorded with this guy, Greg Elkins, and I think Scott can kind of speak on that some, too, because his other band, Jupiter Hearts, are kind of the reason, I think the big reason we even picked Greg to begin with.
so I'm in this other band called Jupiter Hearts mm. with uh, uh, this guy, Rob Pennington, who was in Endpoint and By the Grace of God and Black Cross and a couple other guys from Charlotte. Him and the, the guitarists are both professors at UNCC. Okay. Well, he's he just moved away. But so we were just looking to record something just, just to have something to record. Mm-hmm. And we we're trying to find a place close that we could record. So we talked about uh, Legit Biz, but that was right around the time when he was like, no, I'm packing it in. And what I have booked now is that's it. Mm-hmm. And the other option was like, well, we, you know, we go like Jam Room. Um, and then uh, Rob actually found this guy, uh, Greg Elkins, who and I'd never really heard his name before. But as soon as I dug into it, I was like, oh, this makes sense. Because he was actually in vanilla train wreck i believe oh, that's yeah, a, yeah. yeah that's the name um yeah and um in a band called dad you know, he had recorded like erectus monotone polvo mm-hmm. all this all this stuff that like confessor cool, and it actually and actually sounds good mm-hmm. yeah huh? he did like confessors later confessor stuff yeah he did confessor too and but you know so we just went up there just to record basically what we figured would just be a demo um and he was really cool and like it's reasonable price. It's you know it's it's some hole in the wall in the warehouse district, which is where you pretty much have to have a studio to be able to afford it. Mm-hmm. And he was cool enough to like not let you get away with shit, you know, yeah. like care enough. <laughs> we like late bloomer. We've had some records in the past where they were just like, oh yeah, that's cool, that's cool. And we're like, oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. six months later, we're, we're not like, good at we're not good at it. And we really should have pushed that a little harder. <laughs> so he was good at like not letting you get away. He's like, no, I think y'all really need to do that again. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so and we recorded like we just recorded four songs just to do it. Uh, and then uh, Rob's friend Veek Martin that uh, she works for Pirates Press, but she has her own label. She was like, oh, I want to put this out. So she put it out. We had no intention of ever putting a record oh, out. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, but since then, you know, Late Bloomer's gone recorded there, and Jupiter Hearts went back and recorded again for another record that's coming out sometime soon. Yeah. Uh, in March or April, I don't know. And, it, you know, he's been really cool to work with. And, you know, like, it, it worked out that, you know, he could do some of the stuff that Late Bloomer had done before with, like, Justin, but without having to, you know, go away in Massachusetts and spend an ass ton of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. You know, it's his studio is not as nice, but like he really knows what he's doing and he's good at like, you know, being a, an engineer that's going to push you, not just push the buttons. Mm-hmm. He, yeah, he was super cool to work with. Uh, Greg was. And yeah, like Scott was saying, a previous record we recorded uh, with Scott Justin Pizzo Ferrato. That's uh, he's worked with. He's done all the reunion Dinosaur Junior records. He's the engineer for that. Yeah. But going back up to uh, Western Mass was just like really, really tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin's amazing to work with, and uh, but Greg, Greg was really great. Like definitely kicked our ass a lot in uh the few times we went up there to kind of finish things up he was really helpful about like we tried to do some like some of it at home we we knew we needed to do like the basic tracking act with greg but then we then kind of neil and me went home and uh, we did like backing vocals and a bunch of harmony stuff with like scott and the full band Mm -hmm. and some guests and stuff like that 
And then, you know, we kind of send it back to Greg when we went in to overdub some things and then send all that up to Justin. So that at the end, it's, you know, it's kind of like we still get kind of, what you get your cake and eat it too yeah, kind of yeah. thing. Like, you know, <laughs> um, so it's like kind of having both their hands on it. Like Greg really making sure like the foundation of everything was like really solid. Uh, like so much that I was, you know, it was like stressing me out in a good way because yeah. I was just like, people haven't really kicked our ass that much. I think like Justin has the ability to kind of kick your ass, but you don't really kind of realize he's doing it because mm-hmm. i think he probably just cleans things up after the fact but greg was like let's get it done yeah, right now yeah. you know i'm still gonna clean some stuff up but like, you know like let's get it right in the room and that that was uh that's what we needed uh in the experience so so it yeah it took a little bit longer to make that way mm-hmm. but i think it's kind of like the only way i want to make things now yeah yeah you know so I understand that we, we, we've always been good bad or bad about, it, I should say, going, right, we can live with that. <laughs> and maybe that we was, could just yeah. fix it from now on. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, yeah. And you can't, I mean, uh, there's so many line yeah. between like becoming a perfectionist to where you never finish the fucking record. Yeah. Especially with recording stuff at home. So I'm, I'm always a little weary about, you know, like doing stuff at home because I've known so many people that do that. And then like, a year and a half later, like, no, I'm still working on stuff. I'm mm. like, just fucking the record. You need a deadline. Yeah, um, yeah. So, th- so there's a fine line, but it, it worked out really well. Mm. I think, yeah, being able to have, like, all the kind of main bones of the record there when we were done with Greg, like, it was like we had kind of the main vocal and everything. Like, it was like you, like, have the shape of it. Because I think that's where you, people get lost. They're like, oh, I got to mix the bass they gotta mix the you know it's like by the time we were done with greg we had like just like not you wouldn't wanted to put that out but in a sense it's like Mm -hmm. you know you could have listened to everything we had it just wasn't like the final product um so i think that kind of helps in a way that it's not like yeah you could get really lost in there like if you're like trying to like oh let me change the drum here we weren't like touching much of we weren't touching that stuff at all when we brought it home we Mm was like guitars extra guitars harmonies and stuff like that and then just tons of other little fun all the, little things all, all, all uh the wes hamilton from also of Pullman strike did all the slide steel stuff yeah 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 which was cool. fun it's always something that i wanted on records um i always like i think we all collectively maybe even scott more than me and neil but like it's it's kind of like some people we didn't want to like put a cowboy hat on the record like it's like mm-hmm. like <laughs> yeah. it's like it's like all of our like all of my favorite like 90s records of a certain type like have that element to it mm-hmm. but they're not like pushing too hard into it so it's it's kind of like a hard thing like you, we didn't want it to be like this band has a pedal steel like this song also has this texture on mm-hmm. it was like what i wanted it to feel like and i, and I think it i think it did it i mean yeah. there is quite a bit of pedal steel on the record but i i think fits in with the aesthetic of the song hopefully cool. i think it does yeah, yeah. and he's their old bandmate yeah so yeah 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 <laughs> and well like yeah Wes really does go back i mean like he said pullman strike but he was also in meth mountain and yeah, he was in and also neil plays with the in west of the railroaders so okay yeah in a sense it's like Wes is just essentially like at some point like Wes was just in the band and i i think it would you know it's not going to happen because i think we're just, the three of us are just stuck with each other yeah but, yeah 
but like Wes is somebody that uh, we're really comfortable and you know working like with. Uh, honorary member, <laughs> yeah, honorary member. Um, but yeah, yeah, it was, yeah we it was, all still like each other. None of us have ever punched each other in the face that I'm aware of. <laughs> I I'm so surprised. I think there were probably <laughs> points where it's like in my mind we definitely all have punched each other in the face, but uh, like, uh, but like we still like get along, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, I think it's like always. I kind of mention to people, it's like we all have tenure. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, like, it's just like we, it, we have like a factory job and it's always, the band is always going to be the three of us yeah. because <laughs> it's just, we have tenure, you know? And yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it's kind of, I know people say things, it feels like a press thing. It's like, but I feel like it, this new record kind of breathed new life in the band in a mm-hmm. sense that it was, it was good to kind of like have control of so much stuff again, like our past label, they just kind of like had sort of a plan for everything and like how everything was kind of like laid out the aesthetic and all the stuff. And it was just like, you know, so it was good to be able to they be were like, a little overbearing in the way you wouldn't expect a punk label to be yeah. for like silly things, you know, like yeah, they're, they're, they're not, it was all yeah. like shit that didn't matter. And you're like, man, like, you know, <laughs> like, oh, this song's a little too long. Don't you think you'd shave off 15 seconds? You know, like, <laughs> just stuff like that. And you're like, what? Who fucking cares? Really? Yeah. Which like, I think I'm not sitting around listening to like my favorite records go, man, man, this song would be so much better for <laughs> 12 seconds shorter. Yeah. yeah. I think if you like a song, you don't you check the time of it. Yeah, like yeah. it's like like so and I bet I would bet so many people that are like no song should be over three minutes, which I will say the song we released today was two minutes and forty one seconds. Mm-hmm. Uh so don't come at us, people that have said this. <laughs> but uh like your favorite song like you're like it could be like seven minutes and you just don't care Mm -hmm. like there's so many and it's like it also tells me when people tell me that every song should be under three minutes it's kind of like you don't listen to a lot of different types of music do you like it's like so many good like dance songs so many good like uh, like post-rock songs and like you know so many metal songs are long as shit yeah 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 (laughs) unless you're in a thrash band yeah, metal songs. They're some of the best songs. They're like like Neurosis songs being like fifteen minute song, and you know we're not trying to do that. But sometimes I almost want to on purpose because people. I feel like it's it's silly to kind of put a number on, and I don't feel like we're specifically trying to have long songs. We do have some that are like five minute songs, mm-hmm. but it, it's kind of like we, we do discuss yeah. with ourselves about cutting our own songs shorter. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's not like it's not like we don't know that this is a thing, but like some of the stuff that we would get from the our previous label was a little arbitrary. To we were just like, yeah, it, it to to being a to the point of being annoying. Yeah, but yeah. we were. It's like, well, it's your money, so I guess we'll trim it down fifteen. Yeah, but the same day, yeah, like well, you're paying for it all, so I guess you know, sure, <laughs> yeah. sure, yeah. sure, Papa. <laughs> yeah. So the the new record is it coming out on vinyl? Uh, CD is it just digital or uh, there's vinyl and tapes right vinyl now? And tape. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, uh, uh, are you putting it out yourself or is it on the on the label? It's uh, being put out on a label called Dead Broke, and it's also split with my label, uh, Self Aware Records. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the tape is coming out by this label, Tor Johnson. I think in the spirit of what I was talking about earlier, it's kind of like getting people that's had a hand in our kind of history mm-hmm. involved myself being owning my own label. Um, uh, and 
but Tor Johnson put out our 2014 record. They're a label out of Rhode Island, mm-hmm. and uh, so I was like, I want, I want Paul to be involved somehow, and he agreed to do the tape, which I gave him the option. I said, Do you want to do a CD or a tape? And he said tape, which I would have thought a CD would have been the smarter investment, but people, t- I don't know. It's kind of, I guess it depends on aesthetics. Yeah, I can't yeah. move CDs as a label, so yeah, I don't yeah. technically disagree with him. Uh, but yeah, the answer being vinyl and tape mm-hmm. is what it's coming out of. And, and you- Dead Broke, they put out like, uh, what, like the 15 reissues and they put out the new movie Targets record. Yeah. And- Mm-hmm. and some other thing oh, shit. yeah he he well he plays in that band iron chic uh and uh he he's done one of their records uh and yeah he, i mean he has like so many releases a lot of uh a lot of long island bands that mm-hmm. he works with i mean he's kind of like like my label being that it's like pretty regional uh and he works but that's not to say that's all he I mean, he's has like hundreds of releases it feels like um but he's just kind of somebody he always booked us in long island i think at the time when we were getting on or the last label we were on um i remember talking to him and he was like oh if you put out new stuff you know like i'd you know like to talk to you about it or blah 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 but we've just been friendly with mike and mike's been like super supportive since mm-hmm. day one he's mike bruno is the guy who owns dead broke um so it's just like made sense and you know we were jamming on more econo on this record so mm-hmm. uh it was it was good to like have friends on it so yeah we just kind of lowered the threshold <laughs> and uh, all of this kind of like in our hands is a lot more a lot more fun in that way oh yeah out trying to like put because that's the thing like i feel like with their last label it was like you know put out a thousand records or whatever kind of thing and it's like we're like a we're essentially like a weekend warrior band. Like we mm-hmm. will tour sometimes and stuff like that. But like, you know, kind of past, past our prime in that regard of like touring a bunch. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it's, you know, trying to keep things realistic, but put out a product that, mm-hmm. um, a product. That's, that's a fun word to say when it's your band. Um, but, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy with the way it's, it's come out and uh, we're supposed to get our records in hand in like a week or so. so. Okay, cool. And can people yeah. like pre-order those already online or? Oh, yeah. Yes. yeah. Yes. Please you can do. Pre-order from Josh's website. You can pre-order from Dead Broke. You can pre-order from Lunchbox. Yeah. And yeah. you can pre-order from our Bandcamp. And there's yeah, probably so some other that. places. There, there might be. Who knows? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Self-aware. I really just go to like Bandcamp. Self-awarerecords.bandcamp.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, late bloomer dot band can't do we have nc i don't know i don't know go to one of those i'll put links to everything in the in the description of the podcast but i don't know yeah who knows it's called light bloomer apparently yeah um but uh yeah and then yeah go to dead broke please basically it's split between the different labels because like each label has like their own exclusive color okay as people do uh these days Mm -hmm. so you know uh mike has his color self-aware records have their color and paul has the tape and then there's like black copies too. So, uh, yeah, you can pick them up from Lunchbox as well. Yep. And then he'll hand it to you <laughs> and give you a hug. <laughs> and you can get it autographed at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Please get it autographed. <laughs> um, I also want to talk about your podcast just a little bit. Just kind of talk about that where people can hear that and what, what you do on the podcast. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, hearing back all my hobbies to me, uh, it's really making me think I need to, do less things. Um, but, but I do a podcast called spinning out, 
Um, and I, I do actually another podcast called Jort Center, but that's like a funny people podcast. I don't know. Okay. Um, it's hard to explain. Um, but the main one I think you're asking about is spinning out. And I mm-hmm. talk to musicians about their favorite record. And yeah, I've had some great guests uh, over the f- couple years that mm-hmm. I've done it. And yeah, it's it's been really fun. And it's interesting to see the people that don't say no about coming <laughs> on the podcast like uh you know like john worster's been on i've had the singer mm-hmm. of everclear on um and just all you types of people musk on there yeah it, no yeah i had elon musk on um <laughs> no i didn't yeah, yeah. of course um yeah i don't know it's been fun to do uh and yeah i guess i'm not sure what else to say about it but yeah if people can find it anywhere spinning out yeah find anywhere where you listen to podcasts pretty much like this one or any other one and you mentioned the other what was the name of the other one that you mentioned that you do also uh, one Jorts called Jorts center Jorts center, Jorts um, center. Um, it's it's very he hard shorts, to explain shorts. i think i think uh i think our intention is to be funny mm-hmm. um so who knows if we land that every time um and yeah it's it's an, just another one i've done with uh actually people i grew up with in that I've known for like uh, over 30 years, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like people that I grew up, like we were elementary school or whatever. Wait, kind wait, of. Wait. How old are you? <laughs> Who knows? I Maybe not 30 years. I love, yeah, over 10 years. Uh, yeah. I don't want to give my age away. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. But actually, I don't think I've actually known Will, the guy on the other podcast, for 30 years because we met each other in middle school mm-hmm. so that wouldn't be possible yeah yeah i'm i'm much younger than that because that was uh, like two years ago it might be like 28 years now at this point <laughs> i don't even know time is uh such a silly thing yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. this it's a funny thing where it's like it's like as you get older you kind of feel like you're like closer in age with people that are older than you it's mm-hmm. like I mean, I know that's just yeah, how yeah. time works, but it's just like you're like, oh, I can just have a conversation with like a 65 year old, you mm-hmm. know, which which would have seemed crazy as like a little kid. Yeah, definitely. you know, you'd be like, why would I hang out with a 65 year old? <laughs> you know, but it's just like I don't know. You've had the same lived experiences, and people are people. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was in, when I was in college, my roommate was a was a 55 year old. <laughs> What? No, what was the, that? That froze up there. What? What'd you say? A fifty-five-year-old. So when, when I was in college, at one point, I, I rented a house in Seneca, South Carolina, mm-hmm. and I had to haul by, by myself. And after a while, I got a roommate, and my roommate was this other guy from the college radio station, who was a fifty-five-year-old man. Yeah. Who had been divorced and everything, and he did the blues show on the <laughs> station, and all he did was listen to blues all day long. <laughs> well, what kind? Of, what kind of blues? And he, a shitty electric blues, all electric guitar oh, blues. Yeah, <laughs> he was, he was like, fucking words. So and, not, yeah. So not even like good stuff. Like uh, was he it had Chicago good stuff, stuff, but he would or? never play it. No. Nah. And he was an art teacher, and uh, his big, you know, he got fired for like doing some crazy shit at the art school. But it was weird being my roommate was a, I was twenty one, and my mm-hmm. roommate was fifty five year old man. <laughs> yeah. That'd and be. now essentially that's the age difference in late bloomer. Yeah. Like we're in a band with Scott who was a 55 year old man <laughs> and I am, but 
I am but a 20 year old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Listener, this is I'm all true. I've been your 20. And you just... Yeah. 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 I'm yeah. not that old yet. <laughs> well, is there anything else you guys want to talk about um, about the band or about anything in, in general? Um, well, I mean, I'm excited about like the shows we have coming up. Um, and I'm ex- I It's like, I know it seems like, it's kind of silly to say i'm like excited to like be like play regional shows again mm-hmm. that makes it sound like we were like touring on a wide scale <laughs> but it's like it kind of feels like somewhere as a process and really mainly i i'm talking less about the band and more like what happened with like covid mm-hmm. it's like i felt so disconnected kind of like you know going into like 2020 and then like it just actually going through the process of recording the record kind of shook me out of it even more mm-hmm. that because it was a long period where i was like i don't even know if i want to play music anymore yeah and i feel like i i i do mm-hmm. and so i'm like oh that's cool like i want to play wherever you know like even on like a you know kind of like more locally it's like shit it's been a long time since we played you know like tommy's or stuff mm-hmm. it's like, like any you know anywhere it's like well, you know, maybe we should play uh, the place you were mentioning about in like Belmont area, the Rooster. Rooster. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and it's just like kind of like, just like have fun with like, you know, kind of being like a weekend warrior and stuff like that. And maybe we'll shoot up to Chicago or something one day, but um, just like really appreciating the point I am in my life and learning to. I I think I'm kind of going into something I was thinking about before we recorded where it's kind of like, right. It's almost like if you could write down everything good that happens to mm-hmm. you, then you could maybe like appreciate it more because I think like your brain as you kind of become like a jaded punk, you kind of just shake it off, mm-hmm. you know, but it's yeah. like, what if I had like a list? It would it feel, it'd feel insane to like keep this list, mm-hmm. but it's like, <laughs> Remember every time someone said something nice about your band or oh, something. Yeah, yeah. Kind of every nice thing that happened in your life. It's like I can I remember like, those three times. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Um, well, that's all I got. We got the release shows coming up, and then that's what I was going to ask about. Like, and then we uh, move on towards writing the next record. I don't know. Yeah. So when is the when are the release shows or the release show or what shows do you have coming up? Uh, we have a show March 1st at the Pinhook in Durham. Okay. And we're playing with this band, Jenny Bazette. They're from Raleigh. And then we're playing uh, March 2nd at Petra's with Jenny Bazette and a band called Quad. Um, they're a local band that features, like, they have, like, an ex and current members of the list that's very long, but, mm-hmm. like, Faye, Yardwork. Um, all right, my my wife's in quad. Um, Black Market and Junior Astronomers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're like a Charlotte supergroup. Yeah, yeah. Uh, quad is, I guess. And um, so yeah, excited about those release shows. And then we're playing some shows later in March in DC, Philly, uh, New York, and Richmond. And then we'll probably you know plan as much as we can in like May and into the summer and fall and we'll see kind of where it goes you yeah, know got gotta it. book some more out of town shows so if you're listening to this and you don't live in charlotte uh we'd love to play with you yeah well so, yeah get out there play those shows sell those records yeah, yeah. we have to sell the records <laughs> yeah we have to sell the records yeah 
one of those shows we're playing with my other band i get to do double duty in Sweet. philadelphia yeah yeah since his band since jupiter hearts uh they live in different places now mm-hmm. uh, they were all they were charlotte uh centric and then tim moved to baltimore uh, and then Rob moved to Louisville. Back in Louisville, yeah. Yeah, they're back in Louisville. And uh, but yeah, Scott and uh, Charlie are still in Charlotte. So it's kind of like, where do you play a show? Mm-hmm. You know. So so it kind of made sense. It was like, well, Tim lives in Baltimore, which isn't far from Philly. Mm-hmm. Like it's like an hour. Um, I don't know if it makes a ton of sense, but it was. I know that they have like another record coming out, and. Yeah. Who knows when they'll be able to play together again? So it it made sense. So yeah, uh, Jupiter Hearts are playing our Philly show, and uh, you know we'll cool. see what happens. I'm not even in that band, and I'm promoting them, <laughs> but they're good. I, I like their music. I get to do double duty. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna be our record release show. I don't know. It might be. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean they're they're really good. So if you if you like stuff that's kind of like DC punk mm-hmm. kind of stuff, but maybe from like the later 80s kind of dc punk but but you know um that's i think i think i'm speaking well about the style that (laughs) y'all play i like that band i'm not in it so i feel like i'm actually a fan yeah i'll link Uh, that up too it's it's definitely pretty dc influenced emo core (laughs) i wouldn't say those words but but, i mean (laughs) in the sense of like what people would have called that in like 1987 so it means nothing related to what people say the word emo now mm-hmm. but i feel like you could have you could have imagined jupiter hearts playing like with embrace and stuff like yeah, that like yeah. embrace and ignition or something yeah. yeah so i know i know we don't really call that emo nowadays but <laughs> but uh yeah but, I mean, it's something different these days. <laughs> it's totally yeah. different these days yeah yeah yep. but that's what that's what they play i mean great bands like ignition embrace Awesome. Well, unless there's anything else, I've got what I need. Um, I'll get this out in a week or so. Or, yeah, well, yeah. I may have it out by the end of the week. It just depends. It's my birthday week, so I don't know. I might. What's that hiding on your ear? That would you keep your secrets near? Then I'll stay in your pocket. Help me unlock it
mean, we appreciate you, you know, chatting with us. Uh, you know, I've I've been kind of like watching you all. How long have you all been doing the podcast? So I've been doing it for like four years now. Um, I started okay. off like during the pandemic, I was doing it every week. Sometimes I do two two of them a week, um, but it's kind of slowed down the past couple of years. And like every week I, I start thinking, do I even want to keep doing this? Do I want to keep doing this? But I, yeah. I, I keep doing it. So I, I enjoy it. It's fun. It's um, I wish I had more time. Kind of like you said earlier, all the different hobbies and things I've got going on. Um, it's one more thing I've got on my list of things I, I feel like I have to do. But yeah, I mean, I feel that I'm trying to find a place to land my podcast. Like, mm-hmm. where do I stop it? And it's. <laughs> You know, I think I think I see something on the horizon, but I'm trying to get there because yeah. it takes a lot of time. It's been fun to do. Yeah. Um, so I feel you. I feel you. This one's fun to do. The, the thing is, I've, I just feel like there, there's still a lot of stories I feel like need to be told. There's, you know, I, I get into this real comfortable about reaching out to my friends that are here local. And there's there's so many other people that I need to have on the podcast at some point. It's like it's a lot of work, though. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, cool. I certainly appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'll keep talking forever. So I'll uh, (laughs) I'll stop this Zoom. Thank you and Uh, happy birthday. Oh, thank you. Yeah, happy birthday. I appreciate it. Thank you. And uh, Uh, I'll I'll stay in touch and let you know when everything comes out. This has been a Gabba Gabba Hunt Media Production.